You're listening to the Namely Marley podcast, episode number 42. Hey there, welcome to the Namely Marley podcast. I am your host, Marley. The goal of this podcast is to focus on adding a little creative, healthy, and passion-filled living to your day every day. Today is something extra special. I've got my daughter, Addie, with me today. And uh, Addie is a cello performance major at a local music conservatory. And it's, believe it or not, it's a very challenging and time-consuming degree program. So I'm always happy for the chance to get to talk to her because it doesn't seem like it's as much as I would like it to be. But oh well, I'll take what I can get. (laughs) So I'm so happy to have a few minutes of her um, to talk with her about, you know, we're talking a lot about um, veganism on this show. And Addie is vegan. I'm vegan. Sean's vegan. It's like we're one one big happy vegan family. (laughs) And I just thought it would be interesting for you to hear uh, the views of someone young like Addie and her vegan life. Uh, Particularly, we're talking about a lot of things that she went through in her teen years. She went vegan when she was 14. And she talks a lot about some of the struggles of the things that she went through and the reason she's really happy with this decision. And and then we go on to uh, other vegan stuff too. You know, the thing that's it's really interesting is uh, Addie and I are neither one, the kind of people who are like, we like shove our beliefs down people's throats. We're just not that kind of person. But today we got kind of preachy with each other. And I think it's because, you know, we're both in the choir and singing the same song. So we really had a good time. We were actually very passionate about uh, veganism. And I think that's kind of fun. Hopefully you enjoy it too. <laughs> okay, one more thing. This was our first time where we actually did uh, an interview face to face. So we could have some issues to work out. I think you'll hear every now and then the sounds kind of different. Um, we'll definitely work on that before our next face-to-face uh, interview. I'd love to have Sean on the show as well so you can hear his points of view about uh, veganism. So uh, clearly we've got to work out some of those issues. But I think overall you'll you'll hear it's a, it's a great discussion and you can hear Addie great and that's the main, the main goal. So Addie's also passionate about vegan and plant-based recipes. And so she's even prepared some recipes that have ended up on the site. So I'm sure there's going to be more of those to come. So let's get right to it. Here's my discussion with my daughter, vegan cellist, and so much more, Addie Dancy. Hey everyone, welcome to the Namely Marley podcast. I am your host, Marley, and today I have a very special guest that's joining me. In fact, I would say she's not just very special, she's very, very special, and that is my daughter, Addie Dancy. Hi, Addie. Hi. Hi, Mom. How are you? (laughs) That is so cool. I love hearing you say that. (laughs) Hi, Mom. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And now we're on the podcast, finally. Yes, and I've been wanting to have you on the show for a long time because, you know, well, you're vegan, I'm vegan. This podcast, we talk a lot about veganism. So it's just meant to be. It's meant to be. It would be on the podcast uh, as well. So I mean, I always like to have people like introduce themselves and talk a little bit about, you know, what's going on and why you're here. And and I know so much about this. It feels funny for me to ask you this question, but I still want to ask you. Yeah, since we've had like a two-hour conversation before this particular conversation. We've been talking about so much we won't remember what we've talked about. But if you could just kind of tell everybody like, you know... I don't know. What was it that year? What was your journey? Why why did you become vegan? So I became vegetarian when I was seven, as you know. Um, I had tried when I was younger to be seven, uh, not to be seven, to be vegetarian. <laughs> I had tried really hard to be seven because seven, yes. seven's hard. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Um, I tried really, I tried hard to be vegetarian when I was a little bit younger because, I mean, you were vegetarian, and yeah. so it was like I wanted to be you like, to be like you. your cool mom. Exactly, I wanted <laughs> to be like my cool hippie mom. Um, and so I, I officially went vegetarian about halfway through third grade, and. Um, can I can I tell the the chicken story? Yeah. Okay, so when I the I'm <laughs> when I was I think I was four maybe, and I was in preschool, and my preschool had hatched these um, or incubated a set of like twelve little eggs that were going to hatch into chickens, and they made a big day out of when um, hatch day hatch day yeah like when the chicks finally hatched all the parents got to come in and my lovely mother held a baby chick in her hand and said little baby Addie's gonna eat you someday <laughs> so mean of me. it wasn't the thing about it is like looking back I realized that it, it just kind of made that connection for me that animals are f- like are the food that we eat um, and that, like, my chicken nugget, my Happy Meal, was a was an actual living being at one point. And I think that kind of changed a lot of how I thought about it at even such a young age. And I think going vegetarian when I was that young probably helped a lot because I never had a chance to miss it. And we should talk about some of the – you had extra complications in going vegetarian because, you know, your dad and I were divorced. So you were going back and forth between two families, and he was not – He's still not vegetarian, although I'm sure he, you know, understands. Oh, yeah. He totally gets it now. I think at the time, it was still kind of a new concept to a lot of suburbia that vegetarian was something that you could be, especially as a seven-year-old. I I bet at the time, he thought I wasn't old enough to make that big of a decision for my life. Yeah, I can kind of get that. Yeah. And so I I was met with a little adversity on that side. But after like a year or two, they they finally understood that it was something that I cared about and that it was important to me so yeah you know it's funny I sit there I, sometimes I wonder like how would I would do things differently now because I think I was so new at I mean I wasn't vegetarian when you were first born right it was when you were like two that I went vegetarian and so I was so new at it and my motivations for going vegetarian were <laughs> really very vain it was like yeah. I just think I'd be so cool as a vegetarian so that's you know. I mean you are <laughs> <laughs> There's that that is an actual factor. Yeah. You you instantly raise like twenty five percent cooler yes. by becoming Become vegetarian. vegetarian. Yeah, and that just was I needed that and go life. vegan. Oh my god, you got hu- superhuman powers at yeah, that point. Exactly. You know? yeah. Come on. So and, and so for me, it's not like my motivations were anything more than that. I think it's, I started reading books after I went vegetarian that like Peter Singer and and things like that, and I was like, oh my god, these animals are going through terrible things. And so then I started to have like more of a I'm just trying to explain that I did not pressure you to be No, no, she didn't pressure me at all. Like that was I think that was one of the only things you said to me and I yeah. I think you instantly kind of reeled it back after that one little remark about the chick like I never heard anything else from you about you should go vegetarian like you never pressured me it was purely my own decision that's why I felt good about that too but what I thought of what I think about is that like um you were an influence you were an inspiration to become vegetarian because your life was so full and rich and like you were really happy and, and and creative and I was like well I gotta be like mom so I gotta go vegetarian yeah. so yeah so then when I was uh 14 or 15 um a couple years after 
you and Sean got married, I, um, and Sean is vegan too. So it, it, it was kind of through osmosis that I became vegan. It was just something that it was just the next logical step in my life. And, but I also felt like it meant something to me on a, a moral ground too, and that I cared about animals. And it was like, well, if, of course I'll become vegan. It just makes sense. How old were you when you went vegan? 14. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. I wasn't a very good vegan. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I was in Oreos, high school. Oreos. Well, and not even just that. Like, I, I was a, a vegan going through suburban high school. Like, yeah. and all of your friends make fun of you for being vegan. And sometimes I gave into that pressure and I sure. had a piece of pizza or went out for ice cream but that was very rare and I know some people might consider that not being vegan but 90 to 95 percent of the time I was a vegan and that was that was kind of how I identified myself and I I would only quote-unquote cheat in times of like when there was literally nothing else to eat or it just it just kind of happened. I know it gets sometimes. I can I know what you're talking about. It gets kind of old, like being the one at the party. Yes, everybody is eating pizza, and or when blah blah blah's mom orders a special pizza for you, just for you, just for you and they pay like an extra fourteen dollars, and then it happens to just be that they didn't know that vegan meant you don't eat cheese too yes. and then it's like well crap i'm i need to no like do i be the jerk here exactly and say like mm, that's not the right pizza you need to get me a new one you know <laughs> like, that's not quite good enough yeah exactly and that's not vegan so no you know like i just i just didn't want to be an asshole about it and yeah. you know like <laughs> Honestly, the truth be told, I just I just didn't want to I didn't want to draw an unnecessary amount of attention to myself because of this fact. I wanted it to seem more normal. Isn't that a complicating thing about being vegan? Like, you know, let's say I've ordered a salad and they put cheese on that salad, even though I ordered it without cheese. Or sometimes I will find I order a salad and it doesn't list cheese in the in the ingredients and, and they the, put so freaking I, cheese on they it. They put freaking cheese what on it. What the heck? What are they thinking? And so then I get the salad. And it's like, I know what's going to happen if I say, can you take that back and bring me a vegan salad? They're going to throw that in the trash. Yeah. And then it becomes this wasteful thing at that point. Yes. And it's like, wh- at what point are you making a difference? And at what point are you going overboard? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. I like what's hard for me is like when they accidentally put like meat on your salad and it's oh, like, yeah. well, well, obviously I'm not going to eat it, but it's like, it just makes me feel bad because that poor animal just died in vain and now it's going to go in the trash can after yeah. all of that. It just, it makes me sad. Like, so we have to talk about the story of you and I going to a Chinese restaurant when you were, oh, so you were vegetarian and not quite vegan mm-hmm. and we ordered crab rangoons, which oftentimes at a lot of uh, you know, I think I was vegetarian at the time and you were vegetarian at the time. Not Neither of us were vegan. Mm-hmm. And, um, a lot of the vegetarian rest or the Chinese restaurants around us had crab rangoon that didn't no have crab. crab. Right. Yeah, just like green onion and cream cheese. Yes, and some kind of fake crab flavoring or whatever. Yeah, if that. A lot yeah. of times they didn't even have that. And so what we thought is that, oh, well, it's going to be the same thing. Yeah, but then we kept – there was these little pieces. There were pieces in this that tasted funny, and, and then you asked the waitress, and she said, yes, it actually it's has real crab. real crab, and you cried. I bawled. <laughs> yes. I was, like, really heartbroken about that. Yeah. 
And that's that's kind of a huge impetus for me continuing to be a vegan is that I can't I can't even kill a freaking little fly without like getting into a little bit of tears. Like it's it's kind of pathetic, but I save all the spiders. I like I stop in the road for the squirrels, which a lot of people tell me not to do, but I I just feel this this feeling of it's not my job to decide if they have a right to live and it's it's not my choice it's their life how about mosquitoes <laughs> bug spray yeah, yeah you know <laughs> well and, I, and when i stop to think about it like you know mosquitoes are really annoying <laughs> but they carry diseases too yeah but like when you think about it in the perspective of they are simply trying to live they're not malicious they're not there to hurt you they're not they're not purposefully trying to make you itch like a bitch for a week you know they're just doing their job yeah it's just it's uh, i think we get into our mindset a lot as human beings as the the world is centered around our existence and so therefore anything that causes us discomfort is antagonizing us you know it's so funny because you just shared on facebook today that video of a cow and this cow is like setting itself free like using its tongue to lift up this notch and and then not only there's a uh, several clips and one of them shows it lifting up its own notch but then also lifting uh, doing, up the yeah, others saving, like re- relieving their friends and and it's so funny because i have heard so many times in my life that cows are dumb mm-hmm. and then i saw neil degrasse tyson on twitter release this statement that said something like um, why is it that we judge animals' intelligence based on the metrics that we consider intelligence as humans? Right. It's not fair. And, and I, I don't know, it's like I realized that maybe the people who have been calling cows dumb are the ones that have been like, you know, they're trying to get the cow to go over here and the cow won't do it. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean it's dumb. It may actually be smart. Right. Because, you know, at that point, if an animal doesn't do what you say, then it has willpower and it it has a decision-making process. And if it doesn't want to go where you're telling it to go, then maybe that means it's much smarter than we think it is because it has a will to not do what you're saying. So I think that's, that makes it even more intelligent at that point. I mean, that video that you showed had cows like pulling down the water level to lever to turn Yeah, to get get a a drink. And they did it over and over. By itself, yeah. Yes. And, like, playing soccer and... With a ball is, like, playing around with it. I know. And they're they're really, like, really big dogs. Yes. You know? And I, that that video meant a lot to me. I also saw one earlier this week of... Um, there was a, a crash on K-10. We had talked about this earlier. Um, there was a highway that a a truck that had a bunch of cows on it crashed or, or got over on the side of the road and somehow like three or four cows got out of this truck and they were like running mm-hmm. on the highway to to try and escape mm-hmm. and as like it was awesome to see them running and it was almost kind of funny because they were like run like the wind bullseye like yeah. let's go let's blow this joint and then what makes me really sad is that they only get to experience that finite amount of freedom like maybe 10 15 minutes maybe an hour if they're lucky and that's all they get for their entire lives and that their lives are meant for our consumption. Because the cows that we see on the side of the road are just, they're not the cows that are, you know, the ones that are in the factory farms are not getting that freedom to move around. No. Yeah. We, I think we have this disillusion that somehow 
every cow is treated as if it were on a pasture, and that's mm. not how it is. It's mm. more like a like a large concentration camp for cows and ch- pigs and chickens. Like off in the wilderness somewhere, there's these big barns that are secluded and that's where all of this killing is happening you know um i was actually near some pig farms in iowa and they are all you don't see any pigs anywhere you can sure smell them for a long while but yeah you don't see them anywhere they're all inside you can't even step foot on like there's all these signs that say it's illegal to trespass and yeah sure they've had a lot of people protest that area yeah probably a lot of PETA people that have infiltrated the system and mm-hmm. gotten recorder recordings. But you know, when I'm <laughs> vegan, I, I I mean, I remember the first time I heard the concept, like I was excited to be vegetarian. And then when I first heard of vegan, I was just like, what? I mean, come on, the, the cows get to live. It's not like they're dying. They're not getting hurt. They're just giving their milk. <laughs> right. And that is also a huge like misinformation that we're mm-hmm. given is that just because they're not killed doesn't mean that they're not being treated absolutely cruelly. I think if not more, right? Uh, like Yeah, they're impregnated. So the only way they can produce milk is because they're, you know. Yeah, and then they get their babies taken away. That and... is so sad. I don't know if you've ever watched a video of that. Oh, oh God, it's, it's too much. Yeah. I, I wish that people would understand that animals have these lives that they're meant to live mm-hmm. and that just because, like, there are different species than a dog doesn't mean that they don't have feelings and they don't love and that they don't, you know, they, they bear young that they love and they feel connections. And I think there was one time when we drove by some field and we saw there was, like, this cow that was crying. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like that seeing animals in that light makes give me a new perspective on how they should be treated. Yeah, like that one cow freeing the other cow, and then they free the other cow. Like, they were all kind of pinned up together and had these things around their necks so they couldn't get out, and they figured out a way to remove those. Oh, I just thought that was so it's cool. It's amazing. Yeah. And I, I hope someday, someday, somewhere down the future, we take off our blinders to those, to those things and realize that animals are not for our benefit. It's, it's not... It's not our job or our right to decide if they get to live and what purpose they get to live for. That's that's what I hope for the future. So it's like the minor inconveniences that we feel are, you know, like that's how could I even put that on the same scale with this animal that's tortured its whole life? And yes. Then- slaughtered so frequently i I get people saying oh i would love to go vegan but i could never give up steak and what i think about that is like okay so wait let me get this straight you can't have the self-control to not eat a steak so there should be cows dying for that privilege that doesn't make sense to me that's uh you know i don't i don't voice my opinions frequently on this subject this is kind of new for me but i i feel really strongly about this particular subject so uh I don't mean to offend anybody that says they can't give up steak or they can't give up cheese, but I, I hope that they look at it on a bigger perspective and that it's it's a life that you're taking. Like, I 
I just can't imagine having the ability to do that. And let's just talk about that for a minute. Okay. Because you're, what we're talking about is how people will, they don't want to give up steak because they like the way it tastes, but yet tastes are so malleable. <gasps> yeah. Let's talk about that. Oh, yeah. Let's get on that subject real quick. <laughs> the, the one we're on is a little bit sad at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. could... it, it's really, though, it's kind of a similar topic because, you know, like... Um, I mean, there's so many things that we, you know, we were talking about uh, diet sodas before. Mm -hmm. So, like, I used to have, I didn't, I was, I don't know if I could call myself an addict, but I loved, I'd have probably at least a diet soda a day. Um, And people would say to me, like, I don't know how you taste that or how you drink that. It tastes like chemicals to me. I never tasted the chemicals. Mm -hmm. Never. I loved it. I thought Diet Coke was like, I actually, I I usually drink Diet Pepsi, but, you know. Yeah. (laughs) I loved it. And then one day I gave it up. And then recently I was out with my mom, grandma, and mm-hmm. then she ordered a diet, a, a zero, Coke Zero, which used to be like, you know, for sure Coke Zero was one of the better ones. And I took a sip of it and all I could taste was chemicals. It's like right. My taste buds had changed. Yeah. And that, like, how long did it take you to get that conditioning? Like, I don't know. It, it, it had been several months for sure. Right. And like... I bet within like three or four weeks, you were actually, yeah. quote unquote, cured yes. of that um, that idea that soda tasted good. Yes. You know, like it, yeah. it doesn't take that long to retrain your, your taste buds. It took a lot of studies, though, like seeing these studies that say like um, the sweetener that's in Diet Coke can actually mess up with your gut bacteria. And I have had all kinds of stomach problems anyway. So I was like, I probably should not be having Coke, you know, diets, Coke. And- right. I mean, in other words, it wasn't easy for me to give it up. But then once I did, I just, I love it. I, I buy, you know, I buy like, you know, seltzer water or not, maybe not seltzer water. Yeah. LaCroix, whatever. Yeah. I don't know how to say I don't that. I say that. <laughs> Sean just said LaCroix. So LaCroix. That La- better, LaCroix. Doesn't it look like it would be LaCroix? La- LaCroix. Like, yeah. isn't it French? Yes, LaCroix. <laughs> you have to spit a little bit. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's French. LaCroix. French, so you should be able to... Right, no. <laughs> that was a while ago. Yeah. But, um, no, I know what you're saying about, like, conditioning your taste buds and how, like, you can substitute things. Like, okay, so I'm... I can admit that I'm a very much a Dr. Pepper addict. I love Dr. Pepper. And I'm it's like your guilty pleasure. Oh, God. It's so guilty. That's the problem is that whenever I drink it, I'm like, I hate myself. I hate this. So, you know, like, I can't believe that. Well, you know, it's like that momentary, like, first drink where you're like, oh, my God, this is so good. Uh, but anyways, they make a kombucha now that is Dr. Pepper flavored. Get out. Yeah. And it's like almost the same thing. Really? Yeah. It's awesome. Do you know what the brand is? You know, I should know that. Well, I can't remember. We'll yeah, but I'll put it on the show notes page for a bit. Yeah, if you if you didn't ask me, I'd be able to tell you. <laughs> um, but it's pretty much the same thing. It's a slightly different flavor, but it's the same sensation. Um, but it's fermented tea. You know, like so you can't feel bad about drinking that. Right. Exactly. So what I wish people would see is that, like, you know, Gardein creates those beefless tips, and I mean. Granted, I haven't had meat since I was six years old, so, like, it's right. it's a different thing for me. Like, I think, oh, wow, that tastes like chicken, and I probably have no idea what chicken tastes like. So, yeah. <laughs> like, so <laughs> it tastes like chicken. It tastes um, like, I don't know. <laughs> I might go, I don't, I don't think, so. think so. Yeah. Well, like, I my boyfriend, Joe, is um, 
transitioning. I hate to say that because I feel like that puts a lot of pressure on him. But he's also kind of a vegan through osmosis at this point, too, because I cook and I'm not making any meat. (laughs) Not doing it. Yeah. So but like there are things that he says he eats and that are really good. Like um, I make tofu scramble or we make pulled jackfruit or we made um, seitan French dip. That's on my mom's site, namely Marley.com. <laughs> I'll, I'll pay you later. <laughs> <laughs> and like what what's interesting about what he says is that like he loves all the food we make. He loves the tofu scramble, but he will tell me sometimes he's like, it doesn't taste like eggs, but it tastes better than eggs. You know, like, and I think that that's really cool because, frankly, I don't like eggs anymore. Like, Uh, if I, I instantly know when there's egg in something that I'm eating and I didn't, like, I didn't know before. And it's like, it's kind of that weird taste, you know, it's it's kind of, I don't know how to describe it, but it's, it's a weird flavor. And you, you start to get um, acclimated to tasting those things because they're like, they're so different and you get used to the flavors of veganism. Which sounds really kind of culty, but it's not. I a real good example of that when uh, after I had been vegetarian and maybe even trying to think if I was vegan by that point, but I've been at least vegetarian for years. And I took my uh, niece, Jamie, out to dinner and, and she ordered um, fajitas and she did not like the peppers. The like they were like green and red long strips of green and red peppers and she didn't want them and I'm like well I'll eat them they're vegetables mm-hmm. but they had been kind of sitting in the plate with the meat sauce mm-hmm. she had uh, steak fajitas and and I took a bite and it tasted disgusting the pepper had kind of soaked up some of the meat sauce yes I'm sorry but it tasted like poop it was gross <laughs> Not that right. I'd eaten that, I wouldn't know. What no, it yeah, exactly. It tastes like, like chicken. Like it yeah. like. it was terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's you can really start to tell yes. when things have even touched meat a little yeah. bit. It's it's kind of crazy how heightened your senses become, like yeah. your taste buds after you've given something up. You can instantly taste that it's in there. Yes. Yeah. We were just talking about coffee. Like you, you've stopped putting sweetener in your coffee mm-hmm. or whatever. And I, yeah, I've start, stopped using sweetener almost entirely. Like I drink um, plain tea and plain coffee, black coffee, and like how that actually makes the flavor of the coffee more strong to me because I'm not tasting the sweetener and I have I have time to like. Uh, figure out like oh this coffee tastes fruity and you know like all of those like <laughs> bougie aromatic note talk it's you know uh, the, the coffee snobs yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah put your nose up in the air yeah. but yeah um even even little things like that like it's it's a lot easier to be vegan than you think it is um and i think it's a lot tastier because it's it's actually natural and fresh and um, it comes from the ground and it's meant to heal and help your body and it's not meant to hurt it. And not that meat is necessarily meant to hurt your body, but I, I don't believe that we as humans are supposed to ingest it. What cracks me up is when I see all these people on their with their diets and they talk about clean eating and then they'll include chicken in that. And I just think like... Or mean, eggs. Who? Yeah, or eggs. Eggs who, are so high in cholesterol, you know. Who decides what clean is, you know? Yeah. I don't know. And all this to say, I'm not trying to bash people who are being like, or who are doing the diets that they're doing. And I, you know, you have to find what works for you. But there, there's something about veganism that I think is a timeless way to eat. 
that it will never it will never go out of style to be vegan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, I I agree with you. I'm not trying to bash other people because I eat those Gardein products that yeah. they're they're made out of wheat or they're made out of um, you know, different products. Soy protein, yeah, so blah blah blah. They're definitely processed. Mm-hmm. But I try to just have a large part of my diet unprocessed and so it may be, you know, uh, brown rice or I know you don't eat brown rice. No, I've transitioned to brown rice a little bit more. Yeah, I know you. this is a big step for me guys i'm really happy for yeah <laughs> i got brown rice at chipotle yesterday i know okay, tell me how did it go did it was know? good yeah you know brown rice has a flavor of like it's almost like nutty. savory and yeah. nutty yeah nutty that's a good word for it thank you i i like it and it's um robust you know yes. i like i like so, it there is a flavor to white rice that it's like true. oh that is so good I, you know <laughs> that texture, that's really nice too. yeah I, I like how it clumps together that's that's my one regret about brown rice well and like things like jasmine rice but i think i found a brown jasmine. you can get brown jasmines yes. and brown basmatis and because really what they are is it's the reason they have that flavor is the way they've been stored right isn't it like in a wood carton or something like yeah. that yeah mm-hmm. i love that oh, man. It's so rice. good oh it's good stuff <laughs> yeah jasmine rice and curry you just call my name and i'm there like like james taylor curry yeah (laughs) that's your handyman yeah (laughs) exactly um so we were talking about flavors and all of this is branching off of like one of like the seven million reasons that i'm vegan yes yeah um so obviously animals is my my main priority with being vegan is like my belief that animals and all beings deserve a life whether or not it's necessarily purposeful in mine you know like I, I believe they have a right to their existence and I don't have a right to tell them or make them not have that um but another reason I think is um the environment yeah I mean you know more about that than I do like all the global emissions and like all of the terrible gases that we're releasing into our ozone just by factory farming alone i i don't know much about it but you've told me a lot of things and that makes a difference for me well i read that article by moby on huffington post and he was talking about how they're admonishing people in california to reduce their showers and his point was like i could go down to a five gallon shower and that is not going to have even a a minuscule amount on the uh, impact on the environment as as the beef industry that is it takes like so much water to create one pound of beef it's right yeah and i read a statistic yesterday that and the average american eats 11 cows in their lifetime 11 11 can you imagine seeing 11 cows in front of you just like let's take a moment and imagine 11 cows yeah and you're gonna stand there it'd be like me going there it's you're gonna eat that you know you're gonna eat those 11 cows come on right you're gonna well i think that would make a difference for people if they had to look their cows in the face um but imagine if each person like just took it down to five or took it down to two you know like um my boyfriend joe he his family um went to a local butcher at one point and they went with two families and they split a cow which is hard to say but like you know it's and he told me that it lasted them for six months and they have a family of six people and they had beef in the freezer for six months and that's half a cow like i i feel like that's that's a reasonable amount of meat at that point and it's a local butcher you know like it's i mean what point is it reasonable but i feel like if we all just 
took our beef intake and our chicken intake down, like saved it for special occasions or only ate it at dinner time, how much of a difference we'd make on our environment, Right. you know? My mom always tells the story that when she was young, they couldn't afford meat. So they, you know, they ate mostly vegetarian all the time. And, And meat was just like you said, they had it. Probably on Sundays, and it was probably a chicken that they probably had on their farm. But a chicken. A chicken. Yeah, like, for, for the, whole, the family. whole family. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's all the protein you really need, you know. Oh, well, you get protein in so many things. It's, yeah. It's in everything that you eat. Like, it's, you can even, there's even a little bit of protein in bananas, but, you know. Right. If you, if you eat the right amount of plants, you're going to get the nutrients you need. Right. Yeah. I feel like we have this obsession with, like, a hugely protein diet but you don't need as much as you think you do well, yeah i think a lot of that is fed to us from you know certain organizations that <laughs> right it's their job to try to get us to eat more beef so they you know right around with these advertising campaigns and yeah they're they have lobbyists that work in front of congress it's just terrible even the food pyramids you know they're made by milk companies yeah. right isn't that true like that's the 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 food pyramids that you see in your child's elementary school that it's supposed to be teaching facts is teaching an agenda yeah which makes me mad but i honestly think like the best food pyramid would be one that had vegetables like dark green leafy vegetables at the bottom if you have majority Mm -hmm. of that in your diet and then you go up from there to like at the very top would be like nuts and avocados and things like that that are really high calories. I mean, I really mm-hmm. like high fat. Dr. Furman is is he a Furman or Furman? I don't think I know what his name is. How how to say it? But anyway, he's he talks a lot about nutritional density. Like you want mm-hmm. to eat the foods that have the lowest amount of calories and the highest amount of nutrients. Yes, that makes total sense to me. I know. I know. And I don't think meat falls in that category. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I also don't think dairy falls in that category. No, meat doesn't doesn't. It's just dairy either yeah yeah so a lot of people who give up dairy though don't you think like well and so many more people are becoming or realizing that they're lactose intolerant now because i mean a cow's milk is meant to um nurture a small cow a baby cow cow that's going to grow into a 2,000 pound animal 2,000 1,000 i don't know how big it is yeah and like if I mean, humans are only max, like... 100. 100 to... Yeah. 200, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, it's it's not meant for us to be these 2,000-pound animals, so why would we consume their milk? That makes you grow to be that. Not one mammal eats or consumes milk... From another species. Especially from another species. What I think is hilarious is if, like, I put a, a block of cheese on the table that was made from human breast milk, people would be like, oh Yeah, I know. <laughs> what is with And that's that? literally what's but, made for us. Don't you think that's, like, our natural instinct? It's because after a certain age, you're not supposed to be drinking milk. Yeah. So maybe that's, like, natural, and we should be listening to that. We're all conditioned by this industry and this American mindset. Okay, but let's talk cheese for a minute because uh-huh. even though um, we, I mean, you and I don't eat cheese made from cows, but there are an awful lot of really good cheeses that are made from nuts and things like that now. That mm-hmm. out. It's really cool. Yeah, I, I love the idea of a nut cheese. I know. I'm really excited for Julie Pyatt's nut cheese book. I know, I can't wait for that to come out. It's going to be really good. I think... The book is called This Cheese is Nuts. Isn't that cool? Isn't that so funny? I love that. She spent two years working on it. Oh, my God. Yeah, and she finally sent it into the publisher like a couple weeks ago before she 
left for Australia. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And like how huge that was. And she makes a good point that like there are so many flavors to be found in uh, in Mother Nature. You know how how lucky we are to have such a vast amount of flavors just in the like the plant kingdom. Yes. And why can't we tap into those more? Like there are so many things that are undiscovered in the plant world that. Yeah. Amazing. And, you know, you saying that reminded me, have you heard that Congress is trying to pass a law that says the only companies that can call themselves dairy or milk, I'm sorry, milk is is a milk that comes from a cow. In other words, like almond wouldn't be able to use the word milk. Oh, are you serious? I'm serious. It's Come on. I mean, what about coconuts? Exactly. Those are the thing inside of mil- uh, coconuts been called milk for a long time. They, I, they can't just like come in and take over that name like that. It's just it's ridiculous. It's milk. That's yes. like. I'm trying to think of a an example well, we of that meat of a nut. You can you know you. <laughs> yeah, or like, what what's a plant term that like we can't apply to meat? You know, like what if it just it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, you know, sense. like like what if fats we put fat and yeah, it's just it's the milk of an animal. What are you gonna call it? Almond water. Because yes. it's not almond water. No, it is the creamy substance that comes off of a nut when you ground it up and yeah it's a different thing you can even uh put oatmeal in a a blender with some water and it will turn into a milky substance that you can use as milk i guess you could call that oatmeal water but that doesn't make sense like that's not the purpose of it to be oatmeal water it's supposed to act as a milk substitute it makes me wonder then would you be able to call human milk milk (laughs) right or like vegan cream cheese um that's not actually cream cheese, though. You can't call it cream cheese. Yes. So, like, that's just dumb. I just think God. they have a lot bigger problems to be dealing with. Oh, my with. God. Yes. <laughs> that they really don't need to yeah. be micromanaging this particular topic. That's my They opinion. don't. Yeah. They don't. It's... Let this one go. <laughs> yeah, just... Plus, are they going to... Here's my other thought. Like, okay, so are they... They're going to go after uh, silk soy milk for calling something milk. Uh, are they going to go after every blogger who talks about milk? I mean, there's a lot of recipes out right. there for turning things into milk. Where would it end? They're- yeah, that's a, that's a very micromanaging government, and I don't think that that's – it's I not reasonable. They have these uh, lobbyists from the dairy farmers that are out there, you know, trying to make and, – and, and by the way, you know, you and I both talked about this – you know, if there are people that are have found a dairy farm where they know the animals are treated and they want to drink milk, I mean, I to me that seems like it makes more sense. It's it's very it's much more organic. It's much more uh, personal of the of the land and of the animal. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like it shows that you care about the the welfare of your animals and like where it comes from because. I feel like a lot of our industry, you walk into a price chopper, you get a gallon of milk, you have no idea where that came from. You have no idea. Yeah. And I mean, you could research far enough back, but you're not going to find an answer you like. So why not spend the extra time and go in to go visit your local farmer? Yes. Same thing with honey and bees and eggs and everything. Like if you visit your local farmer for those particular products you're gonna get a a much better product that tastes amazing and two something that you know is kind to the earth and to the animals 
And I think it's just a better thing all around. Shop local. <laughs> That's right. I had Ann Cummins on the line and sh- or on the podcast, and she was uh, with the Five Gyres Institute, and she talked about the that I don't know if you know this, but like the la- the topsoil is actually able to absorb a lot of this uh, the greenhouse gases and things like that, and it could actually do a lot to reverse the problems that we're having with the environment and climate change. But the problem is, there's a lot of uh, you know crops that are all the same so it's like fields and fields of corn and if yes they would, maybe if they even would rotate that from time to time or right if you if you shop local and, and buy things like you know f- from a local farmer you you do a lot to help prevent that right and because like um quote unquote real farmers i guess i've, I've put a lot of things in quotes in this episode sorry uh <laughs> like farmers that are, are are more considered local farmers they know that they have to rotate crops yeah. and that they they can't just do the same thing every year right. otherwise it's not gonna not gonna work We've gone over a whole gamut of topics. I know. Look at that. Want to talk about as far as like what makes you feel good about being vegan? Um, it definitely makes me feel healthier. Um, but I mean, for me, I feel like there's there's um a line between vegan and like healthy vegan. You know? I know. So <laughs> it's so hard. Yes. Like you can be vegan and you can call yourself that, and you can live on potato chips and Oreos. Oreos. <laughs> And Dr. Pepper. And dark chocolate. Not saying that that's my freshman year of college, but it was kind of my freshman year of college. <laughs> I'm going to put my hands over my ears. La, 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 la. Yeah. Well, first semester. Second semester, I well, I, I talked to my, my my cafeteria at my school, and I, I wrote them a very strongly worded review saying, you cannot offer one option for vegans every single day. Like, we, I mean, it's... I paid for that meal plan for good. Thank you. Yeah. And they put in a vegan bar because of, I I have a feeling it was because of my complaint. Um, Hopefully others too, but yes. Yeah. yeah. And they increased the amount of things. More salads. More more beets. Yay. (laughs) I love beets. Um, Well, more like as a vegan, as a, as a young vegan, it can be challenging because none of your none of your friends are going to be vegan. Yes. You're going to be surrounded by cheap pizza and people wanting to go to Winstead's and Jimmy John's and yeah. all these things that you can't really eat. But for me, it has been worth it to to put myself in the world first, yeah. you know, and to feel like I'm making a difference because I feel like when I am true to myself, I'm being a vegan. Yeah. That's that's something that I believe in and I'm really I'm really glad that this is part of my life journey and I I wouldn't have it any other way. That is a wonderful line. Maybe that's a good one to end it on. What do you think? Sounds good to me. Yeah, so maybe we'll have to have you back again someday. Yeah, when I'm not like angry vegan talking, you know. <laughs> like I like your age. <laughs> yes, but I would love to come back. Yeah, it'd be wonderful. So thanks so much for joining me today. I'm glad to be here. Love you, sweet. Love you too. <laughs> Okay, well, that was it for today's episode. Thanks so much to my daughter, Addie, for joining me today. It was a very heartfelt and loving discussion about veganism. If you'd like to learn more about today's show, just head over to the show notes page at namelymarley.com forward slash podcast. I hope you're loving the Namely Marley podcast. If so, you can show uh, some support and love for the show by giving it a review on iTunes or sharing it on social media. Uh, Everything that you do makes a big difference and we really, really appreciate it. So until next time, health and happiness to you, my friends.